Good morning, everyone. This is Father Nate, missionary priest in Italy, and thanks for joining us today, January 24th, on No Greater Delight, our podcast on Marian feasts and Marian meditations. So today we have a great number of feasts. Surprisingly, most of them are under the advocation Our Lady of Peace. But first, we'll start in Syria, where they celebrate Our Lady of Damascus going all the way back to 1203. Now, we're told that this icon was brought to Malta by the Knights of St. John in 1530, along with many other icons, after the Knights were driven out of Rhodes in 1523. This icon of Our Lady of Damascus is currently stored in a Greek Catholic church, and John Paul II visited it in 2001. There are many accounts of an oily substance oozing from the image, right? In particular, we're told that uh, in 1203, which is, remember, the date we recalled, uh, it was when this image began to exude a miraculous oil uh, to the Sultan of Damascus. And even though he was Muslim, in acknowledgement of this miracle, he made sure a lamp was there perpetually burning before the image. We also celebrate Our Lady of Tears, Madonna del Pianto. I don't know much about the story. And also, this is an interesting one, the Virgin of the Cathedral in Toledo, Spain. Now, this is the joy, uh, the day on which, according to an, an old tradition, the Blessed Virgin Mary, out of gratitude, gave St. Idelfonsis, who we read as one of the meditations earlier, uh, a, blue cha- a blue chasuble, right? So again, that's the traditional date of recalling that miracle when St. Idelfonsis received a chasuble from the Blessed Mother. And it's because of that feast, interestingly enough, um, actually St. Idelfonsus we celebrated on, or if you celebrated St. Idelfonsus, it would have been celebrated on uh, January 23rd. So yesterday would have been the feast of Idelfonsus. Traditionally, that's why they celebrated the day after the apparition of Our Lady to St. Idelfonsus. And because of that reason, they celebrate Our Lady of Peace as well on this day, Um So let's talk a little bit about where they celebrate Our Lady of Peace, right? And we'll talk a little bit about her devotion, right? Because, for instance, all throughout Spain, the vast majority of these things are in Spain or in Spanish-speaking countries. So if you want, I can read the entire list. If you want, you don't have a way to tell me, so I'm going to read it anyways. Um, So, for instance, they celebrate Our Lady of Peace in Lomas de Zamora, Buenos Aires, in Argentina, in La Paz, Bolivia, um, they also celebrate Nuestra Señora del Buen Suceso, Our Lady of the Good Event in Quito, Ecuador. Um, uh, Our Lady of Peace in Belén, Concepción, Paraguay. Our Lady of Peace in Toledo, Toledo, Castilla-La Mancha, Spain. In Sevilla, in Jaén, Jaén, Andalucía. Uh, in Beas de Segura, Chijuévar, Marmolejo. In Medina, Sidona, Cadiz, Andalucía, Spain. Virgen de la Paz in Ronda, Málaga, Andalucía. Um, Our Lady of Peace in Libertad, Barinas, Venezuela. In Guararito, Portuguesa, Venezuela. In Trujillo, Trujillo, Venezuela. All celebrating Our Lady of Peace today. So you might be wondering, well, why is that the case? And if you are particularly, particularly knowledgeable about Marian feasts, then you know that there is another feast for Our Lady of Peace, which is July 9th. Okay. So what's the story? Because they're also celebrating Our Lady of Peace in Honolulu, Hawaii. Why on earth would it be all Spanish-speaking countries and Hawaii? Okay, well, Hawaii is pretty easy to explain. 
The first Catholic missionaries to Hawaii arrived from France in 1827, and they built the, their mission donate, on land donated by King Kamehama III. They, the priests there dedicated the new foundation to Notre Dame de la Paix, Our Lady of Peace, patroness of their order, um, of their order, which was the Congregation of the Sacred Hearts of Jesus and Mary. So near the spot, the Cathedral of Our Lady of Peace was dedicated on August 15th, 1843, right? The cathedral celebrates its anniversary on August 16th, since, as you know, the 15th is the Feast of the Assumption. And instead of honoring Our Lady of Peace on July 9th, as does the Congregation of the Sacred Hearts in Paris, the Hawaiians follow the old Spanish date of January 24th, right? So what's the deal with the traditional story here? Well, so actually the feast goes a long way back, right? The tradition holds that in the early 1500s, a certain uh, Jean de Jouy presented the statue as a wedding gift to his young bride. Uh, so this is early 15s, right? So the statue was known as La Virgin de Jouy and became an heirloom of the family. So then it was around 1588 that Jean's grandson, Agri Joyer, joined the Capuchins in Paris, and he brought the statue with him, where it remained for many years. And so she has an olive branch in one hand, and the Prince of Peace on her arm, and for that reason, all symbols of peace, the statue is called Our Lady of Peace. So in 1657, the Capuchin community erected an even larger chapel because many people were coming to seek Mary's intercession under that devotion. So on July 9th of that year, 1657, before a large crowd, which included King Louis XIV, the papal nuncio de France blessed and solemnly enthroned the Virgin statue. Right? And so Pope Alexander VII would let her designate this date, meaning January, July 9th, as the date for the Capuchin community to celebrate Our Lady of Peace. Okay. So what happened? Well, long story short, the Capuchins were kicked out of their monastery during the French Revolution. They took the image with them in order to save it from the, the, yeah, the forces of the revolution. Finally, when peace was restored, the statue was brought back out of hiding and entrusted to a Paris priest, uh, Peter Caudrine. In 1800, he became a co-founder of a community of sisters, brothers, and priests, the Congregation of the Sacred Hearts of Jesus and Mary, and the Perpetual Adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. This is the community that went to the Hawaiian Islands, and they consecrated the Hawaiian Islands under the protection of Our Lady. Okay, so this is also, they celebrate um, Our Lady of Peace as the patroness of El Salvador, interestingly enough. And so again, this is the feast day, in Hawaii and in some other local churches, right? And we might wonder, well, well, why January 24th, right? Because we said that the feast day is officially in July. Well, again, that's because the city of Toledo has long celebrated the apparition of Our Lady to St. Edelfonsis on the day after his feast. So his feast was yesterday, January 23rd. Today, January 24th, tradition has that they celebrate the apparition to him, Right? Well, in 1085, to celebrate the Moors' return of Toledo Cathedral to the Christians, which took place on January 23rd, St. Alphonsus VI rededicated the Virgin's Feast Day to Nuestra Señora de la Paz, Our Lady of Peace, right? So in other words, this, the Spanish speakers, the, the Spanish, Spanish literally, from Spain, celebrate Our Lady of Peace on January 24th, which is again, the day after the Feast of St. Edelfonsus, recalling when the Christians were given back the Toledo Cathedral. And so, if you think about it, yeah, that's a peaceful time. So they dedicated to Our Lady of Peace. 
And hence, in the Spanish-speaking world, they tend to celebrate Our Lady of Peace on January 24th, right? And then, again, other places have adopted that um, tradition. It's a very long story to explain why Our Lady of Peace has two feasts. So it goes back to the cathedral in Toledo, Spain, but also it goes back to the crowning of the original image. Last but not least, if you're thinking of starting a novena for the presentation, it starts today because the presentation is February 2nd. And those are the feasts we're celebrating today, January 24th. So we continue working our way through Meditations on Mary, Our Mother. These are Marian texts taken from the writings of St. John Henry Newman. If you recall, the chapter we're in is entitled The Immaculate Conception. And today we reach the last writing in that section, entitled The Virgin Proclaimed, Virgo Predicanda. It's taken from John Henry Newman's writings on the Meditations on the Litany of Loretto for the month of May. So let's hear what John Henry Newman has to say about the Virgin Proclaimed, the Virgo Predicanda. Mary is the Virgo Predicanda, that is, the Virgin who is proclaimed, to be proclaimed, to be heralded, literally, to be preached. We are accustomed to preach abroad that which is wonderful, strange, rare, novel, important. Thus, when our Lord was coming, St. John the Baptist preached him. Then the apostles went into the whole wide world and preached Christ. What is the highest, the rarest, the choicest prerogative of Mary? It is that she was without sin. When a woman in the crowd cried out to our Lord, Blessed is the womb that bore thee, he answered, More blessed are are they who hear the word of God and keep it. These words were fulfilled in Mary. She was filled with grace in order to be the mother of God. But it was a higher gift than her maternity to be thus sanctified and thus pure. Our Lord indeed would not have become her son unless he had first sanctified her. But still, the greater blessedness was to have, was to have that perfect sanctification. This, then, is why she is the Virgo Predicanda. She is deserving to be preached abroad because she never committed any sin. Because no, sin had no part in her. Because, through the fullness of God's grace, she never thought a thought, or spoke a word, or did an action that was displeasing, which was not most pleasing to Almighty God. Because in her was displayed the greatest triumph over the enemy of souls. Wherefore, when all seemed lost, in order to show what he could do for us all by dying for us, in order to show what human nature his work was capable of becoming, to show how utterly he could bring to naught the utmost efforts, the most concentrated malice of the foe, and reverse all the consequences of the fall, our Lord began, even before his coming, to do his most wonderful act of redemption in the person of her who was to be his mother. By the merit of that blood which was to be shed, he interposed to hinder her incurring the sin of Adam before he had made on the cross atonement for it. And therefore, it is that we preach her who is the subject of this wonderful grace. But she was the Virgo Predicanda for another reason. When, why, what things do we preach? We preach what is not known, that it may become known. And hence the apostles are said in Scripture to preach Christ. To whom? To those who knew him not, to the heathen world. Not to those who knew him, but to those who did not know him. 
Preaching is a gradual work, first one lesson, then another. Thus were the heathens brought into the church gradually, and in like manner the preaching of Mary to the children of the church, and the devotion paid to her by them, has grown, grown gradually with successive ages. Not so much preached about her in early times as in later. First, she was preached as the Virgin of Virgins, then as the Mother of God, then as glorious in her assumption, then as the Advocate of Sinners, then as Immaculate in her conception. And this last has been the special preaching of the present century. And thus, that which was earliest in her own history is the latest in the Church's recognition of her.